And we had another group of our, some of our men this past week on Friday, not this past Friday, Friday a week ago, go over and help uh, doing some work on the new building for New Life Baptist Church right here in town. So there's construction work uh, ministry that can happen in Mexico and happen right here in Houston. And I'm thankful for what God is doing there. They're getting ready to start their in-person services here in just a couple of weeks. So all of your giving and all of your prayers and, and now some of the sweat equity that some of the men have put in down there, God is using to carry that ministry forward. And we're just excited to keep seeing it go forward and reaching one person at a time. Uh, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And I'm thankful for some wonderful laborers in this church that are willing to go and to serve whether it's working out in a parking lot over a barbecue pit all day or whether it's going down to Mexico or to the Dominican Republic or going next door to minister to your neighbor across the street or wherever God has you to go, we all live in a mission field right now, right here. And we must see it that way. And there's mission field wherever we go. There are people that need to hear about Jesus. And so praise the Lord for that ministry, that opportunity, and for all the work that went in down there. Isn't it wonderful to think of this morning as we're sitting here? There's a family that now has a house down in Mexico that didn't have one a few months ago and has a place to stay, and uh, they are rejoicing in what God has done there. There's so much to be thankful for, isn't there? And they're thankful for a 20 by 20 house, and we have so much to be thankful for as well, don't we? God has been so, so good to us. Well, well, let's dismiss our children out. Brother Josh, Miss Anna, they're heading back this way to the Fellowship Hall area. Boys and girls, you head out there. They're going to have a great time this morning. Let's take our Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians this morning. The book of Colossians. And I'm going to do a, a terrible thing this morning. Last night I was going through this study in this passage again and again, and, and the Lord just moved me on just a little further. So I hope you're okay with that this morning. Colossians chapter 4, don't worry, we're going to come back and catch the end of Colossians chapter 3. Some of you are following along carefully and say, wait, he's skipping over those verses. I have a reason for doing it, and I think you'll understand as we go through that, and uh, this will be a wonderful time together. I did want to make one other quick announcement. Next Sunday night, okay, this Sunday night we finish our, our block of Sunday school classes that we've been going through. Next Sunday night at 5 o'clock... We will be together, and I want to take some time to just catch you up as to the state of where our church is and some of the things that God has done over the last few months. It's been a very different time for all of us, and uh, God has just preserved and continued to build this church through all of this strange time. And I think it'd be good for us to kind of come together. And some people are wondering, well, how are things doing with the budget? You know, those kind of basic things. And other people thinking, well, what are we doing next? And what are we going to do going forward? And some things definitely have had to be adjusted and things have moved around. But God has been so good to us. And I want you to all be on board and be together in understanding and knowing what God is doing. Because this is a body. This is a family and we got to be pointed in the same direction. And I think we're trying to do that. But I want to take some time next Sunday night, 5 o'clock, if you can be here to communicate some of those things. We started out at our beginning of the year with our theme, Walk Worthy. And you see it on the screens around here. And, and uh, we laid out some plans for the year. And God has been just fulfilling those things and moving things forward. This has not been a time of retreat for us as a church. This has not been a time for us to sit still and wring our hands. It's been an interesting time for sure, as I know it has been for all of you. But God's doing great things. So next Sunday night, we're going to take some time to share with, what, with you what God has done and what He is doing and where we are going forward. Colossians chapter 4 this morning, and we're going to look at verses 2 through 6. Verses 2 through 6. And I'll go ahead and read those verses to you. You follow along as I read out loud. Continue in prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom 
toward them that are without. Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. We've been working through chapter 3 together for quite a while since Easter Sunday. So we've been there quite a while and looking at all these things we are to put off and things we're to put on and that we are to live in the reality of the resurrection. We've talked about what God tells us as a body, as a church, of how we are to be living one toward another. And then we've gotten really specific. How wives are to treat their husbands, how husbands are to treat their wives. And we were ready to talk about children and parents and that relationship. And then workers and their bosses, the masters and servants relationship. And we're going to get to that over the next few weeks. But as I was away for the last week and spending time and meditating on the things of the Lord and reading God's Word and just spending time with my wife and just a time to refocus, as I continued to read this book and study this book, I was really drawn to this passage here in chapter 4. I felt like it would be important for us to take a week here and remind ourselves where we've been and remind ourselves of where we're going. We started out this year with our theme, Walk Worthy. We found that in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. If you want to, you can read, go back there with me and read that verse. The Bible says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. And then in verse 12 he says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You can see these banners on the side wall that really carry on that idea of bearing fruit and giving thanks and being strengthened with all might and growing in our knowledge of God. You see those four ideas there in Colossians 1, verses 10 through 12, as really the outworking of what it means to walk worthy. And as this year has gone on to this point where here we are six months in, time is just flying by, isn't it? Six months through this year, and most would say this year is not gone as we would have thought it would have gone back in January. And yet, I would remind you that this year has gone exactly how God knew it would go. And God's command to walk worthy has not changed. His commands to us are the same. His truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But often as we go through difficult times and changing times and the, the world seems to just be spinning around us, it's easy for us to lose focus on what He's told us to do. Because all of a sudden something happens and we say, whoa, what do we do about that? What, what about now? I mean, God, I know this is where we started out the year. This was our plan. This is where we were headed. But Lord, you've changed everything. It all seems upside down and backwards. And that's where as believers we've got to come back to the Word of God. Because this is our foundation. This is our source of truth. Say, God, you haven't changed the world is changing faster than we can even keep up. But God, you haven't changed. Your word hasn't changed. God, how am I supposed to live in light of all the circumstances around me? Circumstances change, but truth doesn't change. And I think here in this passage in Colossians chapter 4, we can see at least three things that God wants us to do as we continue on to walk worthy of Him in faithfulness to the calling that He has placed upon our lives. We can ask a lot of questions. Why is this taking place? What is going on? That's why I had James read this morning from 2 Timothy chapter 3. God already saw all of, saw all of this. God already knew all of this would take place. It didn't take Him by surprise. And it hasn't changed what God wants from us as His children. So while the world around us is changing 
at an ever-increasing pace. For the Christian, nothing has changed. So how do we live in a changing world when God's truth doesn't change? I think you'll see that this morning here in chapter 4 of Colossians. Notice his first command. It's very clear. In verse 2 of chapter 4, he says, Continue in prayer. We have a little Bible study book that we've gone through. Many of you have gone through it with us. And some of you are just beginning to go through it with us. And I hope others of you who haven't had the opportunity will go through it with us. And the title of that book is called Continue. Why? Because over and over in Scripture, we see God's Word telling us to continue. It's easy to start something. It's harder to continue. It's easy to even get excited about something happening at church or things moving forward. It's a lot harder to continue. It's one thing to raise your hand and even commit something to God to make some big decision. It's another thing entirely to continue. As parents, you know it's, it's fun and it's exciting and it's wonderful when you see new life and new birth. You have a new child. It's a lot harder to continue every day as a parent, right? Teenagers, you know there's days you get excited about. Hey, we're going here, we're going there. You're ready to get up early and go. I remember that as a teenager. There were days you just wanted to get up and go because you were excited about what was going to happen that day. And then there's a lot of other days you don't even want to get out of bed. Why? Because it's easier to start something than it is to continue. And I think even as life continues on, and I'm just beginning to experience these things, probably some of you say, you have no idea what's coming for you yet as you get older. I turned 37 this past week. 40 is looking younger and younger every day, right? Used to think that was old. Some of you are laughing because you're like, 40's not old. Maybe you're finally growing up. But God's command to us is to continue, but He's very specific about how he wants us to continue here, he says, continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. And he develops this idea further as you look through verse number 2. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Paul here is asking this church, this church at Colossae, and by extension, because this is God's inspired word for us as well, he's asking us to continue in prayer. Why do you think Paul desired them to continue in prayer so much? Why do you think we should continue in prayer? Because prayer is the means by which we communicate our desires to God. It's easy to think, well, if God knows everything, then why should I take time to pray about everything? It's easy to say, well, if God is all-knowing and He knows everything perfectly, then why should I pray? It's because He wants to hear your prayers. He commands us to pray. Paul understood the truth that if we pray according to God's will, that He answers us and hears us. Last night, the men were challenged about praying for wisdom. Wisdom isn't just something that just happens by accident. It's something that God can give us. He's the source of wisdom. But He wants us to ask for it. 1 John 5 verse 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Continue in prayer. If we're going to walk worthy, if we're going to be able to persevere during the times that are changing around us, and we say, what's this? What's that? And what are we going to say about this? And I don't like this. And I've seen all kinds of people arguing and fighting and debating and complaining. And it seems like every day you turn on the news, you bring up your social media, it's just another problem, another issue. And there's people all across the board. You say, what are we going to do? 
And sometimes even as a Christian, you just want to get on and, and, and yell at somebody. You just want to, you know, knock somebody over the head and say, I don't like it. That's not the Christian response, by the way. That's your flesh. That's my flesh. What should we do? Continue in prayer. You know, if we spend as much time continuing in prayer as we do continue to argue or debate or to try to make our point to somebody else, I think some things might actually work out a little differently than they are, don't you? Maybe if we spent more time continuing in prayer than worrying about the situation and fretting and trying to control everything and everybody around us and manipulate things, and maybe we'd see a little different outcome than we are seeing. He says, continue in prayer, and then he says, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So the command here is to continue in prayer, but then this next phrase sounds very reminiscent of what Jesus told his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, doesn't it? When Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, and he goes to the garden, and he invites his disciples to come with him, he says, won't you watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? Oh yeah, my flesh is weak too. You say, oh my, you're a pastor. I thought you were perfect. Just ask my wife. She spent last week with me. She knows that's not true. None of us is perfect. We all have a flesh that's weak, so how do we... Work through these difficult things. Continue in prayer. How's your prayer life? On my phone, I don't know about your phone, but on my phone, it'll give me a little report of how much time I spent in the last week looking at my phone. What if we spent as much time in prayer as we spent looking at our phone? Most of us a long time ago stopped using our phone as a phone and we just look at it as something to tell us things. It's not all bad. It's nice to have a powerful tool, but with powerful tools we need to be responsible with them. Don't we? I'm not preaching against your cell phone this morning. Rather, I'm saying we need to continue in prayer. Continue in prayer. And he says, and watch. How, how do you watch? This is the idea of, of like a watchman on the wall who is... On alert. He's paying attention. He's watching for the enemy. He's carefully surveying what's going on. So he says that we're watching. So in our prayer, it keeps us on high alert to the things that God wants us to be focused on. And he's not talking about being on high alert in fear or with trepidation. Rather, he says, watch in the same with thanksgiving. You know, when you have a thankful heart, it keeps your mind focused on the right things. If you went home for lunch today and your wife brought out some leftovers from the fridge, maybe some of you say, ugh, leftovers. Maybe some of you love leftovers. I don't know. Probably depends what the leftovers are, right? The leftovers are something that Tastes really good, all mixed up together. That might be great. If the leftovers are cold grilled cheese sandwiches, maybe not so much. But when you have an attitude of gratitude or an attitude of thanksgiving, it keeps your mind focused where it needs to be on what God is doing rather than being frustrated about what God is not doing that you think He should be doing. And the problem with that is now we've put ourselves in the place of God Say, God, I don't like my situation. God, I'm frustrated with the world as it is. God, I don't like this trial or this difficulty that I'm in right now. And it's really hard to be thankful, isn't it? He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. That's the attitude that we ought to have as we go to the Lord in prayer. It's a big enough theme here in the book of Colossians that we even put it on the wall all year. Give thanks. Give thanks. In everything give thanks, 1 Thessalonians says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
Be on alert while praying and giving thanks. Prayer requires focus on what you are praying for and the one to whom you are praying. Giving thanks will help you to keep your focus on what God is doing instead of being frustrated on what you think should be happening. When you give thanks, you've got to look for something to be thankful for, right? Count your blessings, the song says. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. But when life is hard, it's often hard to be thankful, isn't it? I mean, look around. I mean, can you imagine? Probably some of you do this. I know I'm even guilty of this sometimes. I can go a whole day and not take time to say thank you for anything. When you do that, your walk with God is not what it should be. Because he says to give thanks in everything. My prayer life is not what it should be if I can't find something to be thankful for. To be unthankful means I'm ungrateful to God for what he's doing in my life. And saying, God, it would be better if my life was different than it is right now. I know it feels like that. It feels like that to me too. So I'm not standing up here on the pulpit preaching down to you like I have this figured out. Rather, I want to come alongside you and say, this is what we need to do. If we're going to be faithful to what God has called us to be, if we're going to experience the spiritual growth that we need, if we're going to walk worthy of Him, then we must continue in prayer. And in our prayer, we need to watch in the same with thanksgiving. Well, that's a hard attitude to cultivate in our lives, isn't it, sometimes? I know it's easy to be thankful when life is good. You know, when your bank account is trending up, when things at work are going well, when the kids are well behaved and the house is clean. It's a lot different when there's strife in your family, when work is uncertain, when things aren't going according to your plan. You ever realize things always go according to God's plans? Nothing has ever happened that God said, whoops, about. God knew it all. He planned it all. And God is at work so we can give thanks for what He is doing rather than being frustrated by what we think He should be doing. Maybe you've read about a lady by the name of Helen Keller. A number of years ago, when I was in college, we got to go visit her birthplace where she grew up. Here was a a girl, as she was growing up, she couldn't see and she couldn't hear. And in her time, most people assumed, well, then she couldn't do anything. If you can't see and you can't hear, then you can't communicate. And yet there was a lady who took time to come and to work with her and to begin to communicate to her. She would communicate by making signs in her hand that she could feel. And Helen Keller developed into this, or really it was discovered that here's this wonderful woman who had these incredible capabilities, just nobody had been able to understand them because they didn't know how to communicate with her. God, even in somebody like Helen Keller who can't see and can't hear, God still has a tremendous plan for their life. And it's easy to look at our lives and say, well, but I've had this problem and that problem, and that's what's holding me back. No, nothing's holding you back from God doing what He wants to do in your life if you'll just give it to Him. And say, Lord, thank You for what You have given me. Helen Keller said this, There is no better way to thank God for your sight than by giving a helping hand to someone in the dark. She was thankful. She was in the dark. She couldn't see. She was thankful that somebody came along and took time to help her be able to communicate. And people to this day have learned wonderful things from the lady named Helen Keller. But they learned it because someone else took the time to love her and help her to be able to communicate. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that God has brought along to help me 
Have you taken time to thank God for the people that He's allowed in your life to bring you to where you are right now? You're not here by accident this morning. God had a plan in bringing you to this place. We have so much to be thankful for. If you're going to continue in prayer and being on guard, alert with thanksgiving, this will help us keep focused on the God who can and will do according to His will. Continue in prayer. But notice in verse 3, he gets specific about his prayer request here. And the prayer request that Paul had to the church at Colossae is very similar to the prayer request that Jesus Christ Himself shared. When Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Notice in verse 3, He says, With all, praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which am I also in bonds. He was praying for open doors for the gospel. Who gives us the open doors? Is it because we're going in and forcing them open? No, it's because God opens the doors. God opens doors, God closes doors, God gives opportunities. But God uses the talents and abilities and the connections and the things that He's allowed us to have to be able to fulfill His work, whether it's going down to Mexico. God gave you an open door to do that. But He also gave you the skills and talents to be able to walk through that door and do those things. God has given each of you an open door to do His work. But the door that's open for you may be different than the door that's open for you. And the door that's open for you may be different than the door that's open for you. But through God and His plan, He's fulfilling His purpose as He opens the doors for us to be able to share the great message of the gospel all around the world. The people that Michael was with, were able to share the gospel to people in Spanish. He didn't have that open door. He had a different open door. But because he walked through the door God opened for him, that opened the door for somebody else to do the work that they needed to do. And the same way in your life, if you'll be faithful to pray for and then to look for those open doors that God gives you, you never know the doors that God's going to open for somebody else to fulfill their purpose in his life. I mean, I think about this on and on in our church and just with all of you sitting here this morning and thinking about what God did to bring you to our church, right? That was, that's a very short-term thing. It's happened in a, in a short-term period of time. And yet the things God was doing to bring that about, some of those things stretch back many, many years. Our friend that told Ken and Kathy Rembert about our church He used to live in the backyard, not in the doghouse, but in a small house of the house where my parents rented the house in front of them. They've been friends that long. I think God was probably orchestrating clear back then. This is like I was two years old for Ken and Kathy to be in our church. Isn't that pretty neat? And Ken has a ministry down at the jail. And God's allowing him to minister to people there that you and I may never, ever meet in our life. And yet as he walks through that door, that opens doors for those men to continue to go on and walk through the doors that God has for them. Have you ever stop and think about what God is doing? And how He wants us to continue in prayer that God would open unto us a door of utterance? You think about it as... And I'm looking forward to getting back to this very soon, but getting to go out in our community and knock on doors and share with people the message of Jesus Christ. We often think of it in the sense of a physical door, but as God opens that door for us to go, then that is then God working to open up other doors from that place. Think of uh, back three years ago when we started the church and we put out some flyers and some in the mail and some on doors and The second Sunday that we had church, in walked Ruth Conover and Linda Dalmaso. Now, they're not able to be here this morning, 
but they're still every bit as part of, part of our church. They're some of the very first people that were part of our church. They didn't walk through these doors. This room was a mess back then. We didn't even meet in here. We just had it closed off. They walked into the fellowship hall over there because that's where we met. They came because they got a flyer. And then I think of all the people that Ruth has invited. Some of you are sitting here this morning. One door, and God used that to open another door that opens another door. And that's just what we can see. You think about somebody that you lead to Christ as you walk through the door that God gives for you, what that person could go on, the, the family that that person could reach, the friends, the neighbors, the people all around the world. Sometimes we sit back and we say, there's such a big thing to be done, how could we ever do anything? So I, I can't do anything to really affect anything, so we just sit back and hope somebody else will do it. God hasn't called you to reach the whole world by yourself. You just need to go through the open door that He puts in front of you. And if you'll do that, and the next person will do their part, and each person does their part, God's plan is to reach the whole world with the gospel. This was Paul's prayer request here. He said, pray for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which am I also in bonds. He's praying for God to open doors. Paul was in bonds. He was in chains as he wrote this. But even though Paul was in chains, the Word of God was not in chains. Even though over the past few months you feel like, man, I've been chained down. I've been stuck at home. I, I can't get out. I can't do what I want to do. Maybe you've had to cancel vacations. You've had to change your plans. You've had to upend your schedule. Some of you have been sick. You've been concerned. I mean, even folks that just had the tiniest sniffle over the last few months, you're like, oh, here it is. I got the coronavirus. Because you didn't know. That's tough to live life like that every day. It's, it's exhausting. But even as some of us have been kind of held back from doing what we wanted to do, can I remind you, God hasn't been held back one bit of doing what He wants to do. As Paul was writing this, he was in bonds, he was in chains, but God's Word was not. God's Word still goes forth even when we can't go out and do everything that we want to do. So that means instead of just being frustrated and upset about our situation, we ought to say, God, help me to have an open door to share your gospel wherever you want me to share it. God, your word is not bound. I might be bound up, but you're not. God, the things going on in this world, I'm not sure if those people really want to hear the truth. I feel bound up. Say, well, now I'm behind a mask. They can't even see my face. God's Word is not bound. And our prayer should be, we ought to continue in this prayer, that God would give doors, open doors of utterance to be able to share the good news. Whether that door is open to go to the Dominican Republic or it's closed right now, God has opened other doors, hasn't He? Some of the people you've been able to come in contact with have been because of the situation that has happened. There have been people that have been listening and have even responded to the truth of God's Word through our online services that we would have never reached had it not been for this time. Do you think God is willing to put us through some suffering and some struggle so that He might reach a few more people with the gospel? I think He is. The thing that God is not willing to do, He said He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants every person to hear the truth that Jesus saves. The Word of God is not bound. The question is not whether or not God will get the gospel to those who need to hear the truth. The question is whether or not God will use you to get it there. That's why Paul's praying that God would open up doors for us. 
I mean, think of Paul. I mean, imagine as he's writing this letter, he's locked up in jail. I'm walking around more on this platform than he probably could walk around while he was writing this this, uh, book of the Bible. He's chained up. I mean, for a man who's an evangelist, who's, who's a preacher, who's a church planner, who's a missionary, think of how hard that must have been. God, you've called me to reach the world with the gospel. God, you sent me out to plant churches. God, you've done all this work through me. Why did God keep Paul locked up in a prison so much? If you notice here, his prayer request is not that he would get out of prison. I was going back and looking through, and somebody may correct me later, but I couldn't find a single instance where Paul prayed that he would get out of prison. If you were locked in prison, would you be praying that God would let you out of prison? I think I would. Ken probably prays that on a regular basis, that they'll let him out. But Paul wasn't praying for his own freedom. What's wrong with you, Paul? Don't you care about yourself? I'm thankful that Paul cared about lost souls and the people that needed to hear about Jesus more than he cared about himself. Because if Paul's whole focus had been on getting out of prison and his own personal freedom, God wouldn't have used him in the way that he did. God used him in the way that he did because of where Paul was. Every circumstance that you go through, every situation that you find yourself in, every problem that you're facing, God can use it for His glory and to get the good news that Jesus saves out to this world if you'll just let Him work through you and say, God, give me this open door. The open door may not mean that I have all the freedom that I want, that I can do everything that I want, that I have all the money that I want, or that everybody likes me. But God, just give me the open door to share the gospel with the person that I need to share the gospel with. What a great truth. Paul wanted to be used by God to share the gospel even though he was in bonds. And that should be our desire. That should be our prayer request to continue in this prayer that God, no matter what happens, if the dreaded second wave comes, they try to shut everything down again. That shouldn't stop us, should it? So, well, it's going to change. I'm not sure. What, I know what we're going to do. We're going to continue to pray that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, to fulfill the Great Commission, to train men for ministry, to go on, to see families grown and, and people encouraged and people restored and people headed forth for the glory of God. That's what's going to happen if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord. Say, well, what if we don't have any money? God has all the money. What if we can't meet in our building? The church is not a building. What if the internet doesn't work? That'd kind of be a blessing sometimes, wouldn't it? You still have a voice. God still lets you interact with people. Pray that God would give us open doors to share the good news that Jesus saves. Too often as Christians, when the circumstance, you know, we kind of get in our, our routine. Well, I go to this event at church and the gospel's preached, and that's great, and that's good. I'm a part of this ministry. And that's where we share the gospel. We've seen over the last few months as things have changed and we can't do everything that we want to do the way we want to do it. Kind of have to step back and go, okay, where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? What are we going to do going forward? We still stay faithful to what God has commanded us to do. We still share the message that Jesus says. We we still can pray that God will do His work. And we still look for every single opportunity as a gift from God, as a door of utterance. Even if we're shut down in our houses, even if we can't go to work, even if we don't have enough money to do all the things that we want to do, we can still be faithful to the mission that God has given us to share the good news that Jesus saves. Paul was locked up in prison, but the Word of God wasn't locked up. We might get shut down again because of things going on in our world, 
But that doesn't shut down God's work. That shouldn't shut down His church. Say, well, there's a lot to be distracted about. That's why He says, continue in prayer. Watching with thanksgiving. Paul was praying for the fulfillment of God's plan more than for his own personal freedom. Many times, we don't experience God's answer to our prayers because what we're praying doesn't line up with God's purpose for this world. God's purpose is for people to be saved, for the glory of God, for disciples to be made. And when we're praying to our own end and to our own things, we may not always see those prayer requests answered. I'm not saying God doesn't answer any request besides praying for someone to be saved. No. God loves to meet our needs. God takes care of so many things. And God is so good to us in fulfilling those things. But sometimes we say, God, why don't you take me out of this problem? God, why don't you fix this issue? God, why haven't you changed all of this situation and made it all good? Because God may have a bigger purpose at play. And I believe it often relates back to this, that doors of utterance might be open. When everything else is shut down, when Paul was locked in prison, God was using that to open up other doors. I'm sure the Philippian jailer was thankful that God, that God allowed Paul to be locked up in his prison. I'm sure that then, by extension, the entire church at Philippi was thankful that Paul was locked up in that jail that night. And I have no idea who that church at Philippi, who those people went on to reach with the gospel. But I would say it's highly possible that some of us might even be able to trace our spiritual heritage back to some of those early Christians. Has God opened a door for Paul in a prison? Or has God opened a door as he wrote this letter to the church at Colossae? Has God opened the next door for the next person, the next one, and the next one? God fulfilled His purpose all the way down to this day. And if that doesn't comfort your heart, knowing God's perfect plan in place to bring you to salvation so that you could hear the gospel and be saved and you could have the blessings that you have in your life, and now God's given us the same opportunity to just carry it on forward. It doesn't matter whether you're old or young and here this morning. God has that same plan for our lives that we would fulfill the Great Commission and do His work. We see... This first command to continue in prayer. But then I think we can see secondly in verses 4 and 6, there's this desire that Paul has in his prayer request that he would have clarity in his speech to fulfill the purpose that God had for him. Notice verse 4, he says, that I may make it manifest. Make what manifest? Make the gospel manifest. Make the good news demonstrable or make it able for the people to see it as I ought to speak. And look at verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Paul desired clarity in the message that he spoke. My friend, I think there's a lot of times in our speech that we allow a lot of other things to get in the way and to cloud the message that we're trying to share. I'll pick on social media again for a minute here. So many times even Christians spend so much time on their social media, sharing random things that they see and frustrations and arguments and videos and everything else, just so they can feel like they're part of that conversation and they can vent their frustrations out there, that it completely clouds the message of the gospel when the truth is being shared. If people know you more for your politics than they know you for your personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's a problem.
when people talk to you after church, if you're more interested in, ah, I didn't like that, ah, frustrate about those things more than talking about, thankfully, what God is doing in your life, that's a problem. I think we have many Christians today, I know I feel the same things as you. But we want to talk more about those frustrations and the things that make us mad and how our freedoms aren't what they ought to be then we thank God for what He has given us and ask God to give us an opportunity to share the good news. You know what? We might lose all of our personal freedoms. Paul had lost pretty much all of his. But the message of the gospel still went forth. And every single time through history, as you read of oppression coming on and Christians being imprisoned or told not to preach the gospel or churches being shut down by the government. Every time you read those stories, you always read of the gospel message flourishing and growing and more people being saved and more churches being started. I am so thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy here in our country. Those came from God. But God could also take those freedoms away. God took Paul's freedom away, his personal freedom, but he didn't take away his purpose of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, as a Christian living in the United States of America, are you more concerned about your personal freedom or are you more concerned that God use you, giving you that door of utterance, to be able to share the gospel wherever He allows you to share it. When Paul was in prison, he wasn't able to make money by making tents. He wasn't very comfortable. We know that. In one of his other letters, he, he wrote and he said, Please bring my coat. Winter is coming on. It, it was going to be cold. Some of Paul's friends forsook him. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Not everybody's going to continue on. And as a Christian, that can be very discouraging, can't it? When a family member, a friend, uh, somebody you used to look up to, now isn't walking as faithfully as they once did. You say, what happened to them? And you get mistreated by somebody else, even somebody who calls himself a Christian. And it makes you just want to quit, doesn't it? Well, if they're going to be like that, I'll just go serve God at home by myself and don't have to be around anybody else. It's too painful. Difficulty comes in the life of the believer. We read the verse, All that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Makes me wonder as Christians in America, maybe we haven't been living as godly as we thought we were because we really haven't experienced that much persecution. Because God says, if you'll live godly, you will suffer persecution. That's like one of those wonderful promises of God that we love to claim, right? That's not in the 50, books, 50 promises of God that you can claim for everyday living. And yet, that's one of God's promises, isn't it? So what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to walk worthy? Or are we just going to shut down and go down in our holes Stock up for the end of the world. Go buy guns and ammunition and get all the non-perishable food. And now we know toilet paper. <laughs> so that we'll be ready. Now you ought to take care of yourself. You ought to take care of your family. But don't let those things take the place of the purpose that God has given you here on this earth. To be able to pass on the message that Jesus saves. And then he says in verse 6, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Paul wanted clarity in his message that it wouldn't be, that it wouldn't be cloudied up or muddied up with all this other stuff that we like to talk about and argue about and, and get frustrated about. I mean, God even took away a lot of the sports, so you can't even talk about that right now. But we'll still find something else to talk about other than what God's doing. And that's not good. 
He said our speech should be always with grace, ministering God's grace to others. God's grace are, some have used the acrostic, God's riches at Christ's expense, that God is giving me something that I don't deserve. I read a good quote the other day from a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Shane Lewis. He came the very first summer that we started the church and brought a group of almost 40 people from Alabama to help go out and visit in our community and invite people to our church. It was really one of the major kind of milestones, starting points of our church. And he's been battling cancer and going through all kinds of personal difficulty in his life that all started not long after he was here. I remember him making the comment to me when he was here. He said, our church has been growing. God's been blessing. They're in a small town in Alabama, and they just had finished this beautiful building project, and God was filling it up with people. More and more people. I mean, they had probably the best youth group I've ever been around. They brought that week and helped minister, and we just are still reaping the blessings of that church's ministry here with us in Houston. He said to me, we just finished this building and things have been going great. He said, I'm wondering what next challenge God is going to have for us. And it was just a few months later, he was diagnosed with cancer and he's been battling that for almost three years now. And yet the whole time, he continues to point people back to God. And he said this the other day, he said, the question is not why does... God let bad things happen to good people. He said the question should be better posed, why does God allow anything good to happen to bad people? You see, when you turn that on its head, all of a sudden you can be very thankful, can't you? Instead of, oh, I don't like this and that. Why did this, have, why did this take place? No, God, thank you that you've given me anything at all because I don't deserve anything. In fact, the Bible says we deserve death. And God's given us so much. He wanted clarity in the message that He spoke, and then He wanted a commitment to speak with grace, giving others things they don't deserve, showing the grace of Jesus Christ. As we speak of the grace of God, may we speak in a way that points others to Christ instead of distracting them from the message. In ancient times, this phrase uh, of being seasoned with salt was used to describe language that was interesting or had flavor. It was contrasted in one ancient Greek writer talked about the language of the academics that was referred to as very bland or tasteless. So I don't want to hear all that you know, high academic speech. I want language that is flavored that is interesting, that is engaging. And shouldn't our speech as believers engage others with the goodness of God and the provision of God? You know what I'm talking about when you're around somebody that's just rejoicing all the time. Boy, God's done this and this is good and I'm thankful for this. This is a blessing. You like to be around people like that. And then you get around other people. Boy, they can, you know, just tell you about everything going on and, and all the problems in their life and And they can probably quote the whole Bible from beginning to end. But you listen to them for like 30 seconds and you're ready to just go someplace else. Why? Because it's bland and it's tasteless. And Paul says here, I'm I'm praying that we'd have our speech seasoned with salt. That it's full of grace. Why? That you may know how to answer every man. There's people all around us that are walking around struggling with problems and concerns and upset with the way things are. Wouldn't it be great if instead of just joining in and being frustrated with them, we could say, you know, I understand why that's frustrating. In fact, I often feel frustrated about those same things. And I'm so thankful that God has the answer. Well, don't tell me about God. Okay, well, let me just tell you about some of the great things that is happening in my life right now. Well, how can anything great be happening in your life right now? You're struggling at work and things aren't good. You're you're having problems, this and that. Yes, I know. There are a lot of difficulties, are a lot of problems. But God's been good to me. I'm still able to breathe. I'm still able to eat. I still had food. I didn't have as much food. 
We didn't all the way run out of toilet paper. It was close. Almost had that Michael bring us back some from Mexico. We were down to the last few rolls. Things were getting really tough around our house. And while that is tough in one sense, you step back and you go, how blessed are we that that's even a concern? And I think as we share the goodness of God and as we share what God's doing in our life, even to somebody who says, wow, I don't want to hear anything about God, that's a way to have our speech seasoned with salt. That we might know how to answer every man. I know I'm taking a little bit of time this morning, but let me finish because I have a final point here. We want people to be able to taste and see God's goodness. We want to offer others the taste of a good God through our life and speech. And then we see this final idea here. He talks about how our prayer ought to be, that we ought to be continuing in prayer, that we ought to have clarity in our speech. But finally, verse 5, notice a consistency in life. He says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. You know, your actions, your actions, what you do, will affect the people that are outside the faith. And I get it. You're made out of the same stuff I've, I'm made out of. It's called flesh. And the flesh is weak. That's why he, this is a prayer request, right? Not just like, Ugh, tough it out. No, pray. That God would help you to walk in wisdom toward those that are without. That we would have consistency in our life to redeem the time. We are to walk in wisdom. The way you live and how you spend your time will affect others around you. This is not about being separate from those who are lost, he says, to those who are without. Rather, this is how we are to live in order to reach the lost. The word without, I think, is a very clear way to describe those who are unsaved. They're without hope. They're without eternal life. They're without Christ. They're without peace. They're without anything that God can give them that really matters for eternity. He says, walk in wisdom to them that are without. We aren't to walk away from them, be frustrated by them. Oh, and it's so easy to be. Those that are without are taking away the things that I hold very dear. Those that are without are causing problems and tearing things up. You know why? It's because they're without Christ. And Christ was moved with compassion when He saw those people. Are we moved with compassion when we see those that are without? Are we just angry? Paul wrote in one of his other letters, as he listed out all these different sins, he said, and such were some of you. Before we get upset at those that are without, you may remember, at one time in our life, we were without. And God loved us enough to send somebody to tell us about Jesus so that we could be saved. And may we have the courage and the fortitude with the strength of the Lord as God works in us and through us to fulfill what He's called us to do, to go and reach those that are without, that we can walk in wisdom the way that we live, the way that we behave, might point others towards Christ instead of away from Christ. That we should redeem the time. That's the idea of buying that time back, making it valuable. You know, how you spend your time will demonstrate to others what is really valuable to you. You can ask somebody, well, what are your priorities? Well, I can tell you my priorities, or I can show you my priorities. And what you show, what you demonstrate through how you live, tells a lot more about what your priorities are than what you say. My pastor used to say this all the time, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. We say we value lost souls, but what are we doing to reach them? We say we value God's church, then what are we doing to be faithfully part of it? We say we value our families, what are we doing to care for them? We say we value our neighbors and our friends. 
Well, if they're without, what are we doing to share the gospel with them? We say we value this community, that we love Houston. Maybe you say, I don't love Houston. You may not love all the things about it, but you ought to love the people in it because Jesus loves them. I don't love traffic. You don't have to love traffic. But you ought to love the people that are in those cars cutting you off on the way to work in the morning. Stopping on their brakes, for, or stamping on their brakes for some unknown reason. You ever been frustrated like, like that slow spot in traffic and everything just slowing down? You get up to it and you're like, surely there's something really important here. So you, like everybody else, you step on your brake, you look around, do your little rubberneck move, and then you go, there was nothing, and you drive on. And the guy behind you, he does the same thing, the same thing. Somebody told me, I don't know if this is true, but that if you put out a stick with a bunch of sheep jumping over it, they'll jump over the stick and you can move the stick and the sheep will keep jumping at the same place. I don't know if that's true. But that's kind of how traffic works, isn't it? Just a bunch of sheep yelling at each other, waving at each other. I've gotten those hand signals from people. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just driving. I was in my lane. I didn't even cut anybody off. They were just mad, I guess. But then it's easy to come back. Wow, you know, we walk around, we come in the office, you know. This person did this to me today. Believe it or not, I used to walk into a different office than the church. I walked into an office like some of you go to every day and dealt with the same kind of things every day. But when we walk in, are we walking in with wisdom toward those that are without? When you walk back into your house, your apartment, wherever you live, at the end of the day, are you walking in with wisdom? Oh, so much could be said. But Paul here very simply is challenging this church, and I think God through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, has a challenge for this church here arise this morning that we continue in prayer. Praying that God would open up doors of utterance for us in this city, in this community, and all around this world. God's doing it. Next Sunday night, I'll share with you some of the ways God's doing that and some of the ways you can be more involved with that. But God is doing that in your personal life as well if you'll just take time to look and to pray and to seek what God has for you. And may we be, have clarity in our speech that the message we're declaring is actually the right one instead of confusing people by sharing a bunch of other stuff that has no real value eternally. And then finally, may our lifestyle, the way we live, be consistent with what we say so that we can walk worthy to those that are without. Redeeming the time. Father, help us. Lord, when we started off this year and I really believed that you were leading me to preach through this book and go through the book of Colossians and that this theme for this year would be to walk worthy. I had no idea what was coming, but you did. Lord, I, 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 as a human being, I had no way to foresee the, the problems that the individuals in this church would face and the struggle that it has been for many even day to day Lord, this time has brought out financial struggles, physical struggles. Some have been sick. Some have even died. And even spiritual struggles. Lord, I've read this week of the increase in domestic violence. We see the problems of all the struggle with Police officers and people in our community saying, there's so many problems. Lord, 
We had no way of foreseeing everything that would happen, but Lord, you saw it all. And I'm thankful that you've led us to these wonderful truths in your word. And you've challenged us and you've challenged me over and over the importance of what you've called us to do. Lord, I don't know how long you're going to delay your return. You could come back today, and I pray that you would. But God, every hour, every day that you've given us here on this earth, may we as a church, may I as a person, as an individual, be faithful to continue to do those things, to continue in prayer, to be clear in my speech to share the gospel, to be consistent in my lifestyle, to redeem the time and point others towards you. Lord, I pray that you would raise up men and women and boys and girls, teenagers in our church, old and young, to be consistent and compassionate in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever they go. Lord, work in us, work through us. Use us to be this lighthouse here, this city set on a hill, as long as you still allow us to go on before you take us home to heaven. May we never give up and quit and give up because of the circumstances around us. But even as the world continues to change, may we be faithful to your calling in our lives. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. We're going to take some time. We need to respond. The piano's playing, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Would you pray, would you ask God to help you? Maybe you'd like to come forward and pray. This area is open. You can pray here. Maybe you need to pray with me. I'll turn my microphone off and pray with you. I'm happy to do that. Maybe you need to commit something to the Lord this morning. God, I've held back. God, I haven't been faithful. I've been focused on something in the wrong way. Maybe you need to confess sin to Him this morning. Whatever it is, let's take a few minutes and respond to God's truth today.